What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Barrel Up Podcast. My name is Doug Clark from Northern Baseball Training. And today I'm joined by former D1 softball player turned professional and now playing for the Texas Smoke in the Women's Professional Fast Pitch League, Anna Marie Bruni. How's it going? Hey, everybody. How's it going? Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I know you're super busy getting ready for your first season with the Texas Smoke, uh, which mm-hmm. I kind of want to get into right away. So this is the first season for that league, is it not? Um, For our team, it is. The WPL is kind of newer. It used to be the NPF that folded. So this is kind of new for four teams, but last year it was just U-Triple-S-A Pride and then Vipers. So it's brand new. You're leading the way. Yeah. You're paving the way. Exactly. Setting the stage. That's awesome. How did uh, how did that opportunity come up? Were you like, were you in the draft or was that like, did you get signed or, or how did that work? So for me, it was kind of unconventional, but I like it that way. So they do a college draft. So that's where they draft people who are kind of graduating from college and then they had an expansion draft where they had picked like free agents who have already been playing pro whether that be i think somewhere in au which is athletes unlimited and then somewhere on you know some of the other teams in the wpf but like this year's there's the two new teams okc spark and texas smoke so for me um i was actually i just finished nursing school so i graduated in may and i was in my last congratulations on that thank you I know it's like nurse in the off season and then <laughs> during season. But um, I had started in my coaching page, which, you know, we know because we're friends on. Yeah. Um, and so I just continue to post my coaching content and then I sprinkle in me training as well, because if I'm around the game, I can't get away from it. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. And I never really wanted to stop playing. It just it's just the way that, um, you know, the draft works out of college and like not that many opportunities for women's softball which it's definitely growing now um and so I got reached out to by one of the GMs and they were just wondering if I was still ever interested in playing pro because they saw you know I was still in the game it looked pretty athletic still um I had a really great college career and and if I was still in you know playing shape that they would love for me to come out and so I just continued to send them videos of how I can still play and how my skills look. And then they um, ended up sending me a contract and I, I signed that for this year. That's awesome. Right away. Obviously didn't have to think twice about that. Oh, literally no thought. I was like, I'm yeah. going Yeah, <laughs> nursing sure. will always be there. Yeah, exactly. You can, all, you can always go back to nursing. So like when you, when you finished college, cause you graduated in, in 2021, is that right? Or- so I was a COVID senior. So 2020 was supposed to be my year, but I went back for a fifth year. Yeah. Okay. So what what was your what was your plan after that? Like, did you think you were done forever? Like, um, what what were you what were you thinking? Yeah, it was very difficult, as I'm sure you know. Every athlete who's has to retire from their sport, hang up the cleats, type of thing, is understands. So, for me, it was very difficult because I knew that I could still play. I knew that I could compete, and I'm just a competitor in general. So, not really having a readily opportunity just to continue playing was tough for me, but I never thought I'd really play again until this kind of opportunity came about. And as soon as it did, I was like, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I'm just, I'm very lucky to be where I am, but I think if I didn't like stay around the coaching game and like the continue continuation of that, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Like social media is powerful. And I feel like for you, like, I feel like you went from zero to like a hundred thousand in like two months, literally in a month. Yeah, it's crazy. And yeah, and just the power of social media, like players, 
can like use it to their advantage. Like you even being like a retired college player, all of a sudden, just from you posting, now you're a professional player. Like that's mm-hmm. just crazy to think of. Like that wouldn't have, that wasn't possible years ago. Right. For like, once you're done college and you didn't, you didn't go anywhere after that. It's like, okay, now I'm going to coach, which you've kind of been doing, but then they also see you still got it. And then now you're playing professional, which is like, it's crazy. It's awesome. crazy how that happened. And if you wouldn't have started posting on social media, then you would like, you'd still just be, yeah, you'd just be in there. Yeah. And I think it's really great too. I know. Right. <laughs> I just think it's awesome because as much, you know, I look at, girls that are drafted and there's so much talent all around, but there Mm -hmm. are a lot of players who had amazing careers playing at D one levels with the toughest of teams who just get overlooked. Um, And, you know, I was one of them. I've always, I know I can always play to the level. Like that's my mentality, but I'm, I'm definitely someone who was overlooked. I don't know if it was where I played or just the fact that it's, it could be political, like name wise. I, I personally believe, you know, did you go to politics everywhere? Yeah. Always. Did you go to a UCLA? Did you go to an Alabama? You know, I think it's just like eye-opening to look at, but, you know, our organization really does a great job at, you know, we held open tryouts. They're giving girls a fair chance to show what they got. And if you can play, you'll play. And they want competitors. And I think, um, you know, I think that's like a little more special because it just shows there's girls that will play for the passion, not just to, you know, sign a check, or, you know, get yeah. a check. And I think that's like really special. Yeah. And there's so many, like you said, there's so many opportunities for, for girls playing softball. And I don't, I think, I don't think a lot of them like know that like mm-hmm. for, for a lot of girls here, like I live in Northern BC, I feel like it's just like, once they're done, they're, they're 18, you, they're high school. It's like, they're, they're, they're kind of just hanging up. It's like, there's so much more out there that, you know, with colleges and, and, you know, not even just D1, it's like everywhere. There's just so much opportunity just to play. And because mm-hmm. nobody wants to hang it up. Nobody wants to play their last competitive game. Cause like once you get into the men's league or the women's league, it's like, it's not, it's not competitive. Yeah. Anymore. My dad, my dad has me playing slow pitch with him. Well, and there you go. You're... I'm just like, dad, it's not the same, but love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're playing, you're playing D one, then you're playing professional. And then you're also playing beer league slow pitch. So what's your um, like spring training, I guess you would call it. Like, what's that, mm-hmm. what that, what's that experience like? Like, when did you, when did you start the whole Texas smoke thing? Like just kind of run me through the process and how that all happened after you got signed. Yeah. So I signed, um, earlier this year, I think like end of February or March and then spring training started June 1st. So I graduated and, you know, walked the stage did all that stuff end of May and then flew down here to Texas. And we had two days. The first two days were tryout days. And then, um, like before June 1st and then June 1st was like spring training. We scrimmaged the vibe, which they're out of Florida. They're an independent professional team and it's just been very hectic, like tough because, you know, when you are coming off of two years of not really having a set intense schedule or like just even a two and a half hour practice, like it hits you hard. Yeah. It's a grind. You forget, you forget about the grind. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, just like load of throwing and you don't realize like, okay, I'm 25 now. Like it's, I really got to do my yoga (laughs) and stretch, but I mean, it's been great. Like our team, you know, we're still coming together, figuring out each other, but I think, you know, everyone's here for the right reasons. And I think that's showing on the field when we played, um, you know, another team competitively, but yeah, the, the Texas smoke in general, like our owner, our, you know, the whole team that we have for us, like they are giving us amazing opportunities. 
um, whether that be within marketing, um, just like deals that they're trying to get us so that we're, you know, treated like professional athletes, not just like a women's softball team. And I think yeah. that's huge because when you compare what fast pit, like professional fast pitch has been in the past to like the MLB, it's two totally different worlds. And so yeah. they really want us to feel like, Hey, we've made it to the top level. We're professionals. Um, you know, I've really appreciated that, especially this being my first experience. You don't have to answer this and I can cut it if you, if you want to, but do they, do they pay you pretty well or, or is um, it, is it like, can you live off of it or is it? No, we can't live. I, I wouldn't say like, at least for me first year, you can't really live off it. And I, from what I know, unless you're like someone who's been in the professional league for a while and you have a lot of um, heat behind your name type of thing, unless like where you're getting your money is more of your um, like brand. Stuff. Yeah. You but look, you look at, it's good. Oh, like for me, like I'm happy to be here, you know, oh, yeah, you're not doing it for I mean, money like, anyway. So no, I, and that's what I told them at for like, obviously, you know, eventually I would love to earn that. Like for me, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll earn that check or earn them like the raise or whatever. But for me, like this is, it's in the summertime. So the beauty of what I do for work outside of playing is I run my softball page. So for that, I have a job in itself. And then now I'm going to be a nurse, which eventually I could do traveling and do different contracts and pick up here and there. So for me, I'm fine with it, but Perfect. I would like to see, you know, just female softball, but like, you know, sports in general have better paying that way people can actually live off it and not have to hustle on the side. Yeah. Yeah. I have a second job, like watching like the, the women's world series. Like it's, it's so, it's so fun to watch. And I think people are starting to to notice that more and more, like as the years go by. So like you, mm-hmm. you should get, get those professional deals and stuff like that. Just like the the guys do, cause it is fun to watch. It's exciting. And the fan base is growing. I think I feel like every year it's, it's like more and more. So um, I think that will come with, with yeah. time, but like it's you said, you don't, Oh yeah. Like I, uh, cause <laughs> yeah, growing up playing baseball, obviously I, I started playing uh fast pitch a couple of years ago, like our men's league our, got canceled because of COVID, but the fast pitch league was still going on. So like a bunch of us baseball guys were like, Hey, let's, let's give it a try. It'll be easy. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a huge ball, small field. It's going to be easy. And then you go and it's not easy. It's, it's, I feel Thank like you finally. Yeah. Someone's- <laughs> well, I, I talked about this on the last podcast too. And like, it's hard because for one, Pitches are so close. I feel like it's not even fair. Like the equivalent, the pitch equivalent from like compared to baseball is like, it's harder. Like it, the time to react is, is way quicker. And then you yeah. get rise balls, which aren't even fair. Um, oh, dirty. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's uh, the biggest thing I found was like, it's coming in hot and then, uh, yeah, rise balls aren't even fair. You shouldn't be allowed to throw them at all. <laughs> but, uh, the, the game is so much faster. Oh yeah. I, every time, like, it looks like it's right down the mid and then it's over my eyeballs and yeah, like an idiot, but yeah, the game is faster. Like the infield's like so much closer. So like I play shortstop. So you, like, you got to get rid of it fast. It's not like mm-hmm. baseball where you get a ground ball. You can, you do a couple pumps and, and throw it over. It's like, no, you got to get rid of it. And, yeah. uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fun game. I love it. And I've since playing fast pitch, I've like grown so much more respect for it. Uh, cause it is, isn't, isn't as easy as, as people think it is and i get a lot of like through my social media stuff i'll get a lot of people commenting saying oh the girls fields you know it's shorter distance that's easier like i could do that or since i'm a slapper and you guys there's no slappers in baseball except you know each euro but like <laughs> yeah. like oh it's like an out every time but they don't understand that like that's 
the point of it is barrel control and like a speed game. Like, can they beat me if I put it on the ground? Yeah. And if you hit like a high chopper, there's no way they're like throwing you out. Usually they don't throw it. (laughs) Yeah. And I kind of wanted to actually touch on that about like comments on social media. For one, I I posted a a video of actually your new teammate, Bailey Klinger. I posted like a video of her swing, just like comparing like, hey, baseball swings and softball swings are the same. And the comments on that video are ruthless, disgusting for one. And then ruthless. And like, because I I think it hit like a million on TikTok and then a million on on Instagram. But it's like either guy saying that like softball is easy or it's just like gross, like comments. So inappropriate, inappropriate comments and i'm like like i don't have to deal with that being a guy like i post whatever i don't have to deal with that but then i post a video of, of that it's just like it's crazy so how do you one deal with like negative comments and two like deal with like those inappropriate comments because like mm-hmm. it's just it's just insane like the the grease yeah. out there. i'm actually really happy you addressed it because it's funny even though you're like a, a male posting a female video like you still get those comments i think it's no matter what I post, I'm going to get stuff like that. But for me, I don't want it on my page. So I just delete them. Um, because like, I'm not going to not post and I'm not going to change myself just because someone, you know, there's trolls on the internet. Some nobody who, who doesn't like it or, or yeah. Right. So yeah, no, for me, I just delete the comments, honestly. And then if anyone's being like rude or like negative towards me, I don't take it personally. Um, you know, I know it can, be hard sometimes, especially like I know a lot of quote, quote, influencers or social media people deal with like negative comments. And um, I take mental health very seriously. And I know that it's difficult. But for me, I just know that it's not coming from a place of attacking me. It's more of just like an insecurity on the other end of the phone. So I just, you know, delete and move on with my life because you know, I can't, I don't have time for that. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. It it says more about the person writing the comment than it does about you. And like for me, like my first instinct is like to check out this guy. Like, who is this? Like, and then yeah, like, this, who is like this guy is nobody. Like, why am I even? Why am I even wasting my time even like reading this? Let alone like checking him out. It's just like right. it's just a nobody who has his own issues that he's dealing with. So how do you? How do you like? You probably get so many comments. You just like every time you, you like. I literally you need to I hire somebody to go off. through. I should. Yeah. Let me put out applications, guys. Everybody <laughs> delete all the bad comments that, that I get. Yeah. Usually I'll just on Instagram, it's a little bit easier, but TikTok's hard because I think p- more people comment on TikToks, but now they have a new feature where you can select multiple at a time. So I oh, just perfect. go all the way all through. Of them. All of them. <laughs> Peace um, out comments. Yeah. So let's just, uh, let's just kind of jump, jump back to like where you grew up. Um, okay. where you played your, like your high school and then, and then going into college, like, uh, let's just kind of jump back to where you started, how you got into softball. I know your parents are, I think your parents are athletes too, aren't they? They are. Yep. Yeah. So let's just kind of jump back where you're from and, and, and how you got into softball. All right. So I am from Pennsylvania. Um, I lived in Georgia for a few years as well, but born, raised mostly Pennsylvania. What's um, the city called? <laughs> the city of my town. I always laugh because anytime I say it, people are like, huh? Um, it's called Schwanksville. I know. I was reading it. I'm like, how do you say that? Yep. Schwanksville. Um, yeah. Born there, raised there. And then um, I really got into softball, though, when I was four. It's when we like first moved to Georgia because down south in general, softball is big. But my mom was a softball player in college. So, you know, she put a ball in my hand and from there kind of just like 
my love for softball never stopped. And so, you know, I played through the T-balls, the travel ball, all that fun stuff. And my freshman year of high school, I was doing like a bunch of college camps and I would just go to the left side of the batter's box to drop the bunt because I was closer to first. So I was a righty up until ninth grade of high school. Really? And you- which is cool because, you know, never, you know, I never thought like I would be like full swinging lefty. Even when I switched over, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to like hit for power on the left side. Um, but that was just like a quick doubt. And then once I got comfortable, you know, I was like, actually, I can do anything I put my mind to. So I ended up hitting the work. Yeah. Runs. Yeah. But yeah. I switched over because um, a few of the college coaches were like, so like, what's your, you know, why do you go to the left side? What's your advantage? Do you think? And I was like, well, I'm, I was like probably 90 pounds in high school. Like I was so tiny compared to like the muscle that I've gained. And I was like, well, I guess I could hit for power. Like that's what I hit on the right side. And they were like, no, you're sweet. <laughs> you're home to first. Yeah. Like, I think my home to first was probably like two, six, two, five back then. It was very fast. So I eventually switched over full time to the left and I took slapping lessons. My coach was, um, I still call him coach. Cause I, I go to him when I'm home. Always. Yeah. Uh, once a coach, always coach. But Jerry Morrow, he um, now coaches at Eastern University. But, you know, he's got a great coach from California, coached at St. Joe's with his wife, Terry, for a while as well. Um, and they're just like my family, like biggest role models ever. They really helped me out in my career. But yeah, I was slapping lessons twice a week, working on my own. Then I could, I still can't swing on the right anymore. It's very funny. Um, so yeah, I became a slapper, triple threat, used my speed. Um, and then I got recruited and and went to University of South Florida. And that's where I completed my five years. And you had a ton yeah. of records there. Thank you. <laughs> How do you feel about only getting 99? Still I don't even want to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> only mostly because I'm like, I want that to just to be an even 100. I, I could argue one a few more of the calls, not going to lie, but <laughs> one more probably you haunts know. you every day still, you know, I don't even think about it, but cause now I'm like, now I can get more steals that I'm back playing. So yes, yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so from zero, you got to get a hundred in the professional yeah. league now. Say no more. going to cool. put it on my vision board. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. And then, uh, yeah. So, so what was your, what was your college experience? Like, what was that like playing for, for USF? For South Florida. I had a great personal career. Like I think, um, you know, with any team, there's going to be highs and lows. I think it's tough being on a whole team of females as always like moving through, but you know, you learn a lot of things and you take those with you, you grow, you know, if I were to look back, I wish I had more times of just living more in the moment there um, as opposed to worrying about all the outside noise. But I think I did a good job. Um, overall, I, I wouldn't change the thing. Um, I think I loved the school. I loved my my degree that I got. Kind of helped me get into nursing. And also, I apologize for my voice. I from okay. hearing and stuff. I've been like losing my voice very quickly. You haven't even played a game yet, or like the regular season. We scrimmages. We yeah. scrimmages. I still get hyped, my girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I I really loved the school. I think it it helped me build myself as an athlete as opposed to just like always looking to a coach for someone to do it for you so I I think I thrived there in that aspect and yeah it made me kind of you know pave the path where I am today so I really wouldn't change a thing for sure I was talking this to uh, my last podcast uh, he was actually my coach he's now he's now a softball coach um, awesome. in Toronto but he uh like 
our coach told us like, he's like, don't blink. Cause once you blink, it's going to be over. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're here, your first year, you think this is going to, this is five years or four years or whatever it is. You think it's going to last, but you're going to wake up, you're going to blink. And it's going to be over. And nothing could have been more, more true. Cause it just goes by so fast. And mm-hmm. before you know it, you're like, you're done. You're like, like what happened? Like, I, I, I feel like I just, I just got here. And yeah. you, you learn so much during, during that journey, you blink and it's over. So that's why I always tell, tell my players, like your last high school game is going to come up soon. It's going to happen in no time. And then same with your last college at bat. Like it's, you got to like live in the moment and really appreciate what's going on. Cause a lot of times you don't really see it till it's over. Um, mm-hmm. But you got to be conscious about living in the moment. I always tell myself to just like be where your feet are, you know, every day. Um, because for me, practice is the fun part. Like I love practice because I, I play it like it's a game because that way I like to train. So when I get in the game, it's the same thing for me. Yeah. I love practice. You can mess up things a hundred percent to learn. Okay. This is where, you know, this is where right now where I'm at but I know I can reach that next ball a little bit, you know, further or whatever. But I totally agree with that. Just being where your feet are and like being present in the moment. That's when you play your best. That's when you have the most fun. Yeah. And like practicing, like you play, like you, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you're just kind of taking it easy in practice and think you can just flip that switch in the game, it's not going to happen. Like Mm-mm. and you got to You got to like practice, practice like you play and just practice hard, as hard as you can for as long as you can. Like you said, like laying out for balls in practice, like you never know, like, how many balls have you dove for that? You're like, there's no way I'm going to get this. And then you get it. And you're like, oh, like I would have never like known that I could get that if I wouldn't have actually tried for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I tell my players like die for everything. Cause you never know. Like you think it's out of your reach and it's not. Exactly. And you don't know until you go hundred percent at it. And when you do, and you miss it, okay, now, you know, and you can either make an adjustment or get faster. Exactly. So D1, like obviously like everybody growing up, D1 is like, everybody wants to play D1. Like what was, what was it like there? Like, how was it like playing division one? Was it all it's cracked up to be, or like, what was it like? It was definitely um, challenging. We played a very tough schedule all my, my years there. Uh, We always started out playing with like, we did like the ESPN clear water tournaments. So, you know, we're seeing really great pitching. You know, we're playing high level teams, which is good because you want to play to the level that you're trying to get to always. Yeah. Division one and like practice wise, you know, lifting everything. I thrive in that environment. Like I love to have like that grind schedule. So for me, I didn't ever see it as a chore, or, like a job. Like for me, I was, it was business, but for me, it was fun. So I think any division, it just depends on like how much you want to put into it. Um, Cause there's players that, you know, they go D2 or D3 that can play D1, but what's what their lifestyle balances, I think matters more. So, you know, for me, I was always like, I want to be the sport player. I will take care of my school, but my main focus was thriving in my sport. So I think it really just depends on what you want to do as an athlete. But for D1, it definitely was difficult and challenging, but not something that I, I thought was like overly hard. Like, I, you know, something you can do if you want to do it. Yeah. How, how is the balancing school with, uh, with playing? I have always been a good student, just like I'm overly prepared. I like to be overly prepared because if I didn't prep, then if you like kind of think about it for the game time, preparation and studying is practice, right? So for me, like I was able to balance it. And I also felt USF did a really great job at giving their athletes all the opportunities to, we had study hours, we had tutors at the a call with the phone so 
you know, it's really, they give you all of the tools to succeed. It's just how you take it upon yourself to use them. So I thought it was pretty easy to balance both. As long as you keep your focus straight, you have great time management skills um, and you can prioritize. So you felt, yeah, I felt supported. And I think like the biggest difference between going from like high school to like college, college, they're not going to babysit you. They're like, this is what you got. Like, it's up to you to put in, put in the work, you know, get your extra swings, do your homework, like go to the gym. Like they're not going to, they're not going to beg you to, to get your work done. It's up to you to to put it in. And, and obviously the more you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. I will say the biggest difference. Well, I mean, for those who play college, like, you know, once you graduate and like you're done, it's so weird not having your weekly schedule sent to you. I think that's the only thing, even though they don't baby you, it's, it's like, you need to be here at this time, here at this time. So once that's like not given to you anymore, you almost feel like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do today? Yeah. Like, I don't have lift at 6 a.m. Like, I'm where do I go now? Yeah. So I think that was challenging for me because I was so used to like following a schedule that was made for me and, you know, comparing it now to being a professional athlete, I have to make that schedule myself. Otherwise it's not going to get done in the, in like in the off season. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I take that very seriously because I, I don't want to be underprepared. I always want to be prepared for a situation. Yeah. Talking about finishing school, like for me, my last year of college ball, I still had one more le year left of school. So my last year of college baseball was over. And then I had one more year left of school. And that was the mm -hmm. first year of my life where I wasn't playing a sport and I wasn't working out. I wasn't active. And I gained like 50 pounds because I was just like, I was just going to school. I like, I wasn't mm -hmm. like exercising. I was like, I kind of just didn't do anything basically. And I was like, oh man, like having that schedule and having that like, you know, forcing to stay active and stuff was like really went a long way. And then once I stopped, I was just didn't do anything. And I gained a bunch of weight and then yeah. lost it obviously. But like, what was that like for you? Like when you were finished between like finishing school and playing to like where you are now, like how, how, how did you stay disciplined? I am someone who cannot not move. <laughs> like I have to be moving at all times of the day. Um, so being active for me was, was not difficult. Like, I've all, fell in love with just going to the gym and lifting. What was hard was studying like for nursing school. Nursing school is very difficult. I loved it. I loved what I was learning, but like having to sit at a desk for eight hours a day studying was very hard for me because I just was like, I need to go to the gym, but I need to study. And I yeah. had a hard time finding that balance because I took nursing school very seriously compared to like my undergrad studies, not in like a bad way of like, I didn't care about USF understudies because I did. But I just felt like I didn't have to work as hard for the grades that I got in nursing school. I think the discipline came from, okay, I'm making sure that I move my body an hour a day, whether that be walking and listening to a lecture, taking a break and going to the gym, um, just finding ways to move my body, uh, to prioritize the mental health, even though the physical came with it. So that was probably the biggest thing. And then when we relate it to my sport, I'm, I'm a speed player. So I need to have quick twitch muscles. Like I need to be doing sprints and agility work, um, at a symmetric training. So when I found out I was playing again, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to get, get back. I have to make sure I'm fast still, which is, it is, you know, genetic, but I, I don't want to not be the fastest that I can be. So I was doing like from March up until I came here. Granted, I was in Italy for a month studying abroad. So that was a whole nother thing. But I made sure I did my plyometric training and, you know, sprints like four times a week. It's just writing a schedule for yourself. Like, you know how your body works. I'm sure you know. 
yeah, I'm like, okay, I can do this. I just got to write it out. And, you know, I'm sure when you found out like, okay, I got to get back into like a schedule yeah. that really helped you. Yeah. Like my last, like I was my workload for school, like my last year of school was, was crazy. Like I was in engineering technology and I was at school literally from eight o'clock in the morning till like eight o'clock at night. And then at the time I was just so focused with school and yeah. And then once I graduated that a year after I graduated, then I started working out again and, and lost, lost it all. And then, uh, got back into, into making fitness and health part of my life again. But that one year was just like, it was bad. Like I was, wasn't working out. I was like eating bagels and coffee all day and pizza. And like, it was just, I went like a full 180 from like being a, an athlete to like being the complete opposite of, of somebody who's athletic. And then, um, and you're probably just didn't feel like yourself either. So, oh yeah. Like yeah, that was, that was a whole different, you know, that was a whole different time in my life. It was, I graduated college in, in 2011 and I feel way younger now than I did when I was like 25. It was okay. a bad time. I, uh, took college. I partied a lot in college and then I carried that on to like afterlife and didn't, didn't really grow up. And I kind of went through that stage of life and ended up getting sober four years ago, just because, you know, alcohol was something that took over my life. And yeah, now being, being sober for the last four years has really, I'm a big advocate for not doing that now, just because I, I did that. So I kind of, I'm pretty open about, about my experiences with that, but like, how did you like juggle that and being like a, uh, an elite athlete while having all like the, the college there as well. And those experiences, like, how did you juggle that and, and stay away from the temptations or minimize it anyways? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you leave home, you're on your own for like your very first time ever without your parents, you just want to like have a great time, right? You want to go crazy. Yeah. But I think, um, for me, I've always been like, I like to have a good time, but I've never, I don't like to feel you know, too tired the next day. Like I really take care of my body in that aspect. So in college, like I wasn't like so sad when we couldn't go out because of games or practice in the morning. And I didn't really have many friends outside of softball or just like athletics in general. So we kind of all hung out together. And I think that helped me stay on track. But yeah, I never really had like, I wouldn't say my college experience was normal to say the least because of being a D1 athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, there's definitely times where you have, you know, off days and, you know, some time off where you can go out and have a good time. But, you know, we went to the beach a lot because I was in Florida. So when I look back to the amount of days that I actually got to be a college student, like all that stuff, I was never really tempted from that. And I think I was very content of being an elite athlete and trying to be the best, you know, kind of where I was in my sport. Yeah, I think I think that's awesome because I know a lot of players get lost in that. Like you yeah. said, they're, they're, they're away from home. For the first time, you know, they're, they're legal. They, they, then they kind of go down that path. It's kind of same path that I went to where it's like, you stop focusing so much on what you want with like baseball and you start focusing on all the other distractions and things that take you away from, away from that. And it's easy to get lost in that. Like it's, you see mm -hmm. it all the time, like, especially kind of where I'm from, like a smaller, smaller town, Northern BC, like alcohol is just like a huge, a huge thing for a lot of people. So people get lost in that. And it, you kind of give up what you want most for, for what you want. Like right now, like I want to do this now. And you, yeah. you kind of lose sight of your goals and it's super easy to lose sight of your goals when you have like alcohol and all that stuff in the way. So it is tough to, to stay locked in, but obviously you, you did, you did a good job of that. And, and because of that, you stayed locked in with your, with your softball in college and now you're, now you're a pro athlete. So <laughs> it worked Thank out. You. Yeah. I mean, they, USF too, we had a lot of, I don't know what they were called, not information sessions kind of like information sessions, but they would have like guest speakers um, and nutritionists come in and basically like 
give us presentations on like the effects that alcohol does have on your body and like how it takes two to three days to recover just from having more than like two drinks or something like that. And I think for me as like someone who who loves like the sciencey healthcare part, that was really cool to learn about because I do like to see, I'm very conscious about what I put into my body, whether that be like the ingredients in my food and, and all that stuff. Like I have my new teammates here who are my close friends already. We went grocery shopping together and like grocery shopping for me is like my therapeutic time because I love to just like go through the aisles and read ingredients. And, you know, they say like the outer ring of the grocery store is really where you should stay. Yeah. And they're like, I never really like thought about it that way, or I'm kind of learning something new from you. And so I think I take pride in, in, you know, how I feel my body, how I take care of it, but you know, there's good things in moderation. So for sure. Yeah. Like me, like I'm a, I'm also a personal trainer. I work with a lot of like busy parents and, and that's kind of what I tell them is like everything in moderation. Like you don't need to be a hundred percent chicken, rice, and broccoli all the time. Like yeah. if you want to have some chocolate or you want to have some ice cream, that's fine. But like do like 80, 20, like 80% healthy, nutritious foods and 20% that kind of treat cheat food that, that people like. And, um, so yeah, I'm now, now I'm like big on health, really aware of what, what's going in my body, especially with alcohol. Cause going back to that, like alcohol is poison. Like, like you said, it takes like, it's, it's not like you just drink and then that's it. It's like, it's in your body. Like it, it fogs your mind. It poisons your body, like your mind and your, it's just not a good, a good thing for your body. Like it's literally literal poison. Like that's what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. So like it, it's, uh, being sober, like I see more clearly and more mindful of what I put in my body. And I think that's amazing. not saying that everyone needs to get like sober, but I was a person <laughs> who abused it. But like, I think even with that, like everything in moderation, like yeah. you can have, you can drink, just don't, don't abuse it. Like I did. Yeah. Like a lot exactly. of people do. You have drinks you need to have eight at a time. Every time you drink, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. So. That's what a lot of people do. It's like, if I'm drinking, like I'm drinking, I'm exactly it's like what's the point of not well (laughs) that's a worst statement i've ever heard yeah (laughs) going back to going back to softball what 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 uh what advice would you give like younger girls who want to kind of follow in your footsteps go play div one and then and then eventually play professional like what advice would you have to them um like now as as like whether they're teenagers or just getting into it what's the best advice that you'd give them um, I would say best advice is really just to keep your focus on on the love of the game and focus on you as the athlete. I think um, what I've seen in a lot of my players and just from my own experience is like as soon as you start to look at someone else's success and compare it to yours, it takes the fun out of the game. That's the reason you started playing. That's number one. And two, you're not realizing the like – how much better you're getting every day or like what your goal is to get better. Um, so the more that you focus on and pouring into your cup, the better it's going to be. And then the more fun you have, the more, the better you play, the better you play, the more you're going to want to keep grinding and getting better. So I really think it's just like, it's not so much being selfish, but it is in a good way, right? Like mm-hmm. keep your tunnel vision on. And if your like goal is to play division one, if your goal is to play professionally, like after school, middle school, high school, like I was always in a net in my driveway, having my dad throw with me, my mom, like really you can be in this position if you put yourself in that position to get there. So that's kind of the biggest thing for me is like, keep it simple, you know, have a vision, 
write down that vision. I like, I love to write and see them come to fruition. I think that's the coolest thing. So like at college, I would always have a notebook where at the start of season, I would write down like almost like um, a manifestation list of like, this is what I want for myself, whether that be like a personal goal, a team goal. And like with that, that kind of keeps a almost like just like your headlights are on to that specific point, right? Like that's your goal. And you remind yourself every day, like, hey, this is this is where I'm trying to get to. This is what I'm reminding myself that I want. So that's kind of like the main thing. But I really do love to keep it simple because I'm someone who, if I think too much, I don't let myself be athletic. So I get a lot of players that come in and they're like, Coach Anna, I saw this in my swing. I, I was doing this. Or I saw someone told me this. this. I'm like, all right, let's stop for a second. Yeah, slow down. What did you feel? Slow yeah. it down. What did you feel? Because most of the time it's a feeling. And two, what are we trying to do here? Because if you if you don't know what you're trying to do, then you can't get there. So mm-hmm. but I just keep it simple. That's kind of my advice I'd give to myself as a younger athlete and then to all my athletes and, and any girl that really wants to play division one, two or three and or play professionally. I love that. A couple of things I want to touch on there is um, like comparing your, your journey to somebody else's like comparison yeah. is a thief of joy. Once you start like looking at the person running next to you, instead of like what your goal is, that's, they're going to pass you or like, you don't like, if you just focus on what you have to do and that's it, don't worry about what anybody else is doing. That's how you're going to get there. And then um, with a vision, like writing down goals and vision is, is huge. Like I've like, do you do a vision board as well? Like you have a vision board? Yeah, I do it. I make one for like my laptop screen. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had that too, but I actually like made a physical one. Like it's right there, of like all the things that I want to accomplish and and like why I do what I do and like all the reasons. And I think it's it's good to have a vision of of where you want to go because if, if you don't have a map, you don't know where you're going. Like if you don't know where, like have a vision of where you're going, you're never going to get there. If you're just kind of going mm-hmm. through the motions and we'll see what happens, like nothing's going to happen, right? So you have to you have to stay focused on what you want. And yeah, I, I write down my goals like every week, every day, every month to just kind of recap what I want to do. And then, yeah, like we said, like practicing with like your dad and stuff, like a lot of people, a lot of players think that like their practice is enough, but you have to, you have to put in the extra work. Like you have to do those swings in the garage. You have to take those ground balls off the wall or whatever, like whatever it is that those practices or your like your one hour lessons is good, but you need to take what you learned in those like our lessons with your coach and then practice that at home or practice it in the cage after, yeah. right? You can only do so much in that little time that you have to put in the extra work. And I think a lot of kids think like, oh, I worked hard at practice and I had an hour lesson with, with a trainer. I'm good. Right. So, um, I think it's important to, to put in that extra work. Okay. When did you, when did you start like working out, like lifting? Was that in college or did you do that in high school? I did a little bit in high school, but not nothing like serious, like probably like a few bicep curls here and there. <laughs> yeah. But um, I started lifting seriously like my freshman year of college. And and then when I went like that summer session, I gained like so much muscle that first summer session. And then when I came back, I kind of just fell in love with lifting. Like I will lift any day of the week. <laughs> so yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I try to try to get all my players to start start young and just start like start getting athletic, not just to like not just to build muscle, but just to start using your body and knowing how your body works and how your body moves so that when you do get to college, you're not just starting from scratch. Like I don't even know how to squat once I get to college. I want to, I want to like know how, know the technique so that once I get there, I get my workout plan or whatever, I can just go, right. I don't have to like start from scratch where when you get to college, like sometimes you're 18 and you're playing with people who are 23, 24, right. So they're, they've been lifting for the last four years and you got to, 
like compete with them. Right. Yeah. So it's important to kind of try to get a head start. Plyometric training, I think is great too, for like the younger ones that are still growing. Cause you know, you're using body weight, but you're also explosive. So I think like that builds an athlete. I really, really love plyometric training. Yeah, for sure. Especially for the, for like the younger ones who like, aren't really into lifting weights yet. Just do a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of plows and, and, ducks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that'll, that'll help you start to learn how your body works and, and start to feel, yeah. feel how it works. Like you don't need to go straight into trying to bench 225 right off the hop, just mm-hmm. work, do pushups, like do bodyweight squats, start jumping, like do as much jumping as you can um, yeah. and do a lot of plows and stuff like that. Back to the visual or like writing down stuff and, and like training on your own and whatever. I get a lot of players here like, well, you know, I'm by myself. Like I can't always just like do things by myself which I personally think it's a little bit of an excuse. However, 100%. even if let's say, okay, you don't have any gear at home, fine. Visual training is huge. Like sitting in your bed, closing your eyes, thinking about bases loaded, taking an outside pitch oppo, like just like little stuff like that. Your brain doesn't know the difference between physical reps and visual reps. So like the more that you do visual training, you're just helping yourself solidify. One, I can do this. Two, I'm picturing myself doing it. So when I get in the game, there's going to be no doubt. Doubt is the biggest thing that kills, you know, your confidence as a player. So I just love, love, love to give that piece out there. Cause I think a lot of people or a lot of coaches, parents, they don't tell their kids to really visual train. So that's huge for me. I, I still do that to this day. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. Cause like if, if you've done it in your brain a thousand times, once it actually happens in real life, you're like, Hey, I've been here and, and talk about belief, like self-belief is huge. Like every player, like you need to believe in yourself that you can do this and not, not doubt, doubt yourself. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of kids are unconfident when they get in those situations. But if you've been like mentally practicing those situations, you're going to be more ready for it than if you did it. And mm-hmm. believing that you can accomplish anything is, I think is huge for anybody because a lot of, a lot of players, like they're just told like, you know, you're too small or you, like that. you want to be professional or you want to play, like you can't do that. And then they start believing it, right? Mm-hmm. They start believing what other people are telling them instead of like knowing like inside that, hey, I can do anything that I put my mind to and then trusting yourself and your abilities to, to do it. And then that's how, like, that's how every successful person is successful. They believe in themselves. Like you wouldn't be where you are if you didn't believe in yourself, right? Nobody in any professional sport would be there if they doubted themselves. Yeah. Or if they didn't, right? So yeah, it's self-belief and self. Um, yeah, giving yourself a chance. You got to give yourself a chance because if you didn't, then you're gonna look back and be like, "Well, I don't know if I would have," you know. And it is, you're right. It's cliche. People say it all the time, but not many people take it to like the literal sense of like, you have to do it to show yourself that you can do it. Yeah, it's funny. Like all those like success cliches, like everyone's like, "Oh, roll their eyes at it," but it's like every one of them is true. Like apply yeah. apply those like quote quote unquote cliches. And apply those to your life. And I promise you, you will be successful. But mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, I'll just roll their eyes at, at those, you know, motivational success quotes. It's like, how about you just try applying it and, and seeing where it takes you? I do a lot of self, um, just like self-talk, positive self-talk in the mirror. And the first like week of doing, I'm like, oh my God, this is so stupid. Like I'm talking to myself in the mirror right now. And I wrote what I was going to say, looked in the mirror and I read each, you know, motivational or empowerment sentence that I wanted to build belief on for myself from within. And it is like, at first you just laugh at yourself, but the more that you do it, like no one else cares. No one's looking at me doing this in the mirror. 
And then you start to believe it because you're telling yourself that every day instead of there being like a quiet negative voice in your head saying, well, what if, or like, what if I fail? What if I do this? Like gotta positively talk to yourself. Yeah, and what if you do fail? Then you just you, you just try again. Just, who cares? Everyone fails. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Cannot have success without failure. Because then we wouldn't yeah. even know what the definition definition of success would be. Yeah, exactly. Every successful person has failed and they just keep going. Whereas like mm-hmm. people who are, you know, failures or who don't get what they want or what they what they're shooting for, they fail and then they quit. But everybody fails. Like nobody who if everybody quit when they failed the first time, like nobody would have anything. There'd be nobody successful at anything. So it's like believing in yourself and learning from each failure. And with each failure, there's going to be a lesson and you just take the lesson from it and, and you just grow from it. I think that's super important for, for kids, for kids to know. Yeah. Uh, So let's just talk about your coaching a little bit. Like, do you do, do just in-person coaching on your social media? Do you like, do you do like online stuff or is it all just in-person? Um, So majority of my players are in-person but I do offer, like I do FaceTime lessons as well. Um, it's been tough with nursing school um, and then just like training for my season that I've stepped away from lessons just for now. But as soon as I go back home, I'll probably get back into putting a schedule out. But yeah, I do both. How long, how long is your season? So opening day is tomorrow. And then um, we go till end of August. So it's two and a half months. We play like 50 games. Excited so excited i'm living for it you nervous <laughs> perform, i'm not nervous and the reason i say i'm not nervous is because i still get like the excitement right like but i always tell my players like if you feel nervous it's excitement you got to change it because in our body like the feeling of nervousness and the feeling of excitement are exactly the same right like the butterfly feeling the amped up right like everything's getting breathed through it the reason i'm not nervous so it's like what was my other option, right? Like I don't, I'm blessed to be here. I'm taking every opportunity, one pitch at a time. I'm being competitive every pitch. I'm fighting for a win. And like, that's all I can really be like giving out in that moment. So to be nervous about it would be taking away. Yeah, but for sure. You, you, that's how I kind of look at it now. And that's definitely for years of training of that. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta work on your mindset for sure. And um, I don't take up too much of your time. I think we'll kind of wrap it up now. We're right about an hour. I know you got uh some professional fast pitch to get ready for. So um, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Thank you for being my guest. Um, Where can everybody find you on your social media and everything? And and let's just kind of talk about that so they can, they can come find you. Yeah. So um, my social media for TikTok and Instagram is anabruni.softball and it's Anna with one N. And then um, I have Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter much. It's, it's kind of my two big platforms. And then, um, I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. It was really great. We'll have to we'll have yeah. to do this again um, after after the season. I want to hear all about yes. uh, about how your season went, and uh, we'll definitely do this again. But um, thank you so much for for coming on, and uh, good luck in your game tomorrow, and good luck this season. Awesome, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If you guys enjoyed the episode, screenshot it, share it to social media and tag me in it so I can see who's listening and so I can thank you personally. And make sure to go follow us at, at Northern Baseball Training on all platforms.